This episode is brought to you by stamps.com. If you are a small business owner, you know how much hard work and effort goes into maintaining a small business. I know because I am an indie podcaster. So if you've got a small business, you know that there is nothing more valuable than your time. So stop wasting it on trips to the post office. Stamps.com makes it easy to mail and ship right from your computer. Stamps.com basically brings the services of the US Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're in an office sending invoices, a side hustle, Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com of, of media to change, or if it's somebody who grew up hearing it and is like, you know, my identity was shaped by the sense that, you know, I was embarrassed by who I was or my family and my culture. And that certainly, you know, has an impact. You know, I think there was a sense of I'm glad you're doing this. Um, but mm -hmm. other than that, like, you know, I think what you see is is, is pretty honest, right? Like it's yeah. it's huh. people yeah. who are honestly annoyed by this character and <laughs> yes. felt impacted, which I realize seems silly. You know, I think a lot of people have have said everybody gets bullied as kids get over it. And I'm like, first of all, that doesn't say I still don't think bullying is good, first of all. And secondly, racialized bullying, I think, is a it's different, very different thing. Yes. It's a very different Absolutely. thing. Because you Absolutely. can't grow out of, hmm. uh, you know, you can't grow out of what, what you fundamentally are. Will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. And within minutes, believe you me, within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. There is no risk. And with my promo code POD, P-O-D, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com click on the microphone at the top of the home page and type in pod p-o-d stamps.com you can't it's hard you can't really learn from that and and also like it doesn't end after you grow up that's the other thing i, I think people see bullying as well it ends in high school, you know, the bullying lasts forever, especially when you're part yeah. of immigrant communities. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hari, this season we are focusing on representation in media. What are some of the policy, educational and even social choices you think need to happen to make representation more authentic? I mean, honestly, this is this is really a question about capitalism more than anything else. And I think it's because mm -hmm. this is this is a film industry and television industry. They're industries. And to mm -hmm. them, if if it wasn't if we weren't in the moment we were as a society, they would go to the post office again. I think about post 9-11, there's a lot of hate crimes after 9-11 against Muslims and Arabs and South Asians and Sikhs and people with brown skin. And the connection is, at that time, the major two represent, representatives, you know, uh, representations, the, the two major representations of brown people in the U.S. at that time was a poo from The Simpsons, simple, harmless caricature, and terrorists. There is a huge range of humanity 
between harmless cartoon character and terrorist. They would not care as much. Yeah. You know, like this is the result of the world changing. It, it's kind of, you know, sometimes it's a chicken or egg. Did the world change because media changed and people were influenced by new things? Or were they influenced by these new things so media changed? You know, they feed off each other. So I think, you know, you, that means you have to tackle it two ways. One is that if there are programs or films or people who are doing work that you find incredible, the energy you spent on criticizing artists, focus it on supporting the people you want to see. Because that right. actually has more impact. The ability mm -hmm. to actually like push forward art that you want to see means there'll be more of it. And 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 that it's that's it's true. successful. And I think that's that's crucial. Um, also, there was a time. Hey listeners, welcome back. This is your host Sadia Khan, tuned in with an exciting, humorous episode of Immigrantly. The clip you heard earlier is from an XOXO festival that features independent artists like podcasters and essayists and one of whom is our guest today. But before I introduce our today's guest, I wanted to share a few thoughts. This September was the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and so our feeds were understandably so inundated with reflections on the event. I don't think it is hyperbolic to admit that the day changed the US and us forever. When, you know, we would complain about portrayals in the mainstream media and people would say things, well, then make your own thing, which is like, I'm not a TV studio. I can't make a show. I don't have a network. But exactly. those times have, have changed dramatically in that, you know what, uh -huh. if you are an artist, it's easier to have access to the equipment, the editing. People yep. are recording things yeah. on their phones and in, in HD. Like you actually have the ability to make something that is viewed. And the thing with that is, you know, Hollywood is not that creative. And if they <laughs> see something someone made that is successful, they want in on it. Because there's money huh. attached to it, whether that's huh. Issa Rae, you know, and her awkward black girl becoming insecure, you know, Broad City was initially like a short uh, online thing, and I believe Comedy Central. The paradox, however, is that while the tragedy brought this country together under patriotic observances, it divided us in more ways than few. We became more nationalistic aggressive and partisan. How we process this history in the present, however, can take on many forms. Our today's guest, Hari Kundabalu, shares his lived experiences to create a more nuanced narrative around American identity. Hari is a comedian, writer, podcaster, and filmmaker who is best known for his outspoken 2017 documentary, The Problem with Apu. You know, things change slow, but you, you see, they see that this is, this is an opportunity to mm. make money. We have to invest in that. Plus, you know, there's so many... In the old days of three or four networks, you're trying to get the biggest audience you can. And the biggest audience yeah. means mainstream white America. Now mm. you have 
broadcast, you have cable networks, you have a million streamers, you have all these yeah, apps. Like the goal now is to get an audience. And you know what? If that's a different bar because now you're thinking about how do I draw like-minded people to see this? And to do that, mm. the, a diversity of programs ends up being really important. And so mm. I think it, keep creating, keep supporting people that you think are making. Which calls out The Simpsons for its controversial portrayal of Indians in its character Appu, who, by the way, is voiced by Hank Azaria, a white person. As you can imagine, this opened a floodgate for the Simpsons production team, some of who were publicly more regretful than others about the material. But only later did the franchise drop Apu as a character, an achievement many would say was a long time coming. Hari's critique of media representation extends outside of his context and Hari uses humor to get the rest of us there. One thing that I noticed and appreciate about Hari's work is his work that is changing how the industry works as well as how people are represented and, and, and make more art. You know, just keep writing. Mm. I feel that to me is the solution. And I never would have said that a decade ago because a decade ago, it's such a different situation. To right. say something like that is insulting. It's to say you have power. Why are you whining? The context mm. now is different. I'm not saying we're, you know, you have the power. Why aren't you whining? What I'm saying is the the market has changed, the ways of thinking have changed. Not necessarily in terms of solely people's ethics have changed. That's part of it, but also people know like where the money is now, and so it's our mm. responsibility to push our stories forward and 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 go from there. Mm. And one day Emmys won't be as white. Hope pushing off boundaries in instances where you and I may think there is representation, he points out how they may be flawed and unrighteous. And we're rolling. I am so excited to have you on Immigrantly. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. So I've listened to a few of your scripts on Comedy Central and others directly from your album. Uh, and I noticed a theme when it comes to your work, which is irony, right? You point out to hypocrisies of everyday life, some more benign than others. Um, I saw your joke about a hybrid escalate being the marital compromise between an environmentalist and a materialist, uh, spot on. But when you write, Hari, do you think about this theme or is it just an unintentional undercurrent? I mean, the thing with stand-up that I like so much is that it's very much, I mean, it can be very much honest and true to the person who is talking, right? Like it's some people have more of a character in mind, but for me, it's it's an extension of myself. Maybe it's an exaggerated version of myself, but it's it's stuff that I believe in. It's coming from the heart. So, you know, when I'm talking naturally, these are things I'm interested in talking about. So it isn't so much of me thinking, okay, I want to write jokes to cover. 
So talking about content creation, Hari, do you have any upcoming publications or projects that our listeners should keep an eye out for? You know, I'm working on a few things that are in the development phase. So when, when mm. so it's not at a place to like, oh, this thing is coming out. Um, okay. But I will say, you know, if you haven't listened to the podcast I have with W. Kamau Bell, Politically Reactive, I would because I still think it's a great podcast. And <laughs> we're on a hiatus right now, but three seasons of it are, are available. Uh, I have The Problem with Apu available on HBO Max, which was yeah. huge because people who hate the film can now see it and, and actually know if they really hate it. <laughs> and people who've heard of the film can actually see it now because it's available on HBO Max. And my Netflix special, uh, Warn Your Relatives, um, is still there. And I, you know, I, I st- uh, you know, it was made before there were these issues. And this is huh. an important point I'm trying to make. It's not that as much as like I... I happen to have an eye for like that kind of, you know, hypocrisy or uh, things that just don't make sense to me, you know, especially when it comes to like oppression or any sort of, of unfairness. And so it's natural for me to talk about those things. I don't really think about it in terms of here are my goals to hit these topics. It's more like this is in my head already. How do I make it funny? Does it have anything to do with your upbringing or your immigrant identity? Um, I think to some degree. I mean, uh, you know, I'm the first generation born in the U.S. um, So already when you have parents who, you know, are different because they they are immigrants, there's immediately you you see how the power dynamics are in play. Like the kids who have Mm -hmm. parents who know the system and know how things work. You know, I'm lucky that my both my parents understand and speak English, but I had friends who didn't have that and they would have to translate for their parents, you know, things mm. that like, which also isn't necessarily the best in terms of keeping students accountable when you can control what the teacher is saying to your parents. But right. Yeah, but it but it's kind of like those are the kinds of pressures people felt So already. I think knowing that like there is that degree of unfairness, as well as the fact that in, in my household, you know, I just see like my mom gave up her career to raise two kids and my father didn't. And Mm. I think that also you see that at an early age. And maybe I didn't quite understand how patriarchy worked or but I saw that this doesn't seem Biden uh, Harris election. But I Ah. do think that sadly, a lot of the content is relevant because injustice and oppression don't just go away in a span of three or four years. And I think absolutely there's there's some universal ideas in it that I I think still last the test of time. So I hope people see that special warn your relatives. That sounds great. So in the end, if you were to describe America in a word or a sentence, how would you do that? America is a complicated, inconsistent (laughs) colonial experiment. It's not, it is something that. that was created by outsiders changed what was actually here through force, through violence. People were forced here either through slavery or other forms of forced migration. And they're all trying to make it work while under the umbrella of white supremacy, which makes things much harder to, you know, get, you know, white supremacy, I don't think is in the best interest of, of building a nation. You know, uh, it, uh. It, it almost feels like are your loyalties to humanity or your loyalties to country or are your loyalties to whiteness? And and that is really the question. And if we actually believe in this idea of, of country, then your loyalty can't be to whiteness. It has to be to what's best for the nation. And secondly, 
you know, and more actually, not secondly, more importantly, as a human being, what's good for humanity, which I think mm. trumps what's good for country. So I think, you know, race and racism um, has done us a great injustice in that it's taken away from what bear. And that's the kind of mm. stuff that always resonated with me. And, and uh, I think as I've gotten older, it's the same. It's It's different. I see more complexities and I can you know, argue more points, but I think that basic sense of something is unfair comes from, you know, uh, parents who weren't in the majority and being a, a minority in this country. But you grew up in Queens, which is an extremely diverse community. And then you moved for college to Maine and it was a completely different demographic, right? And you talk about that experience. It was shocking for you, right? When did you realize that you are the minority because from your conversations what i have gleaned is that initially you didn't even realize that you were part of minority given the fact that you grew could be a better experience for a lot of us in this country you know again a colonial experiment but you know this is the reality we're living in right now What an incredibly honest and vulnerable conversation. It's so important to share your story as part of normalization. It shouldn't be seen as a political statement. It is your lived experience. There is so much that Hari and I talked about, and I really, really, really hope that you enjoyed our conversation surrounding representation, capitalism, even British colonialism. If you liked our show today, give us feedback. Write us a good review. It makes a you up in Queens. No, I I always knew I was a minority. I mean that it's mm. impossible to not know that. I mean I watch television, I watch film. Mm. Like you notice the trend that oh we never exist in in media whatsoever. Like it's it's I never questioned the fact that I was a minority. That became obvious at a pretty early age that, hmm. um, you know, the culture at home doesn't match the culture of mainstream America. Like you, that's not, you know, so I wouldn't say that's true. But what I did realize is that I grew up in a very privileged space in terms of the amount of diversity that I had in front of me. And by diversity, I don't just mean racially or culturally, but mm. in terms mm. of religion, in terms of sexuality, in terms of people with, you know, uh, papers and without papers. I mean, like that kind of huge difference. Don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon. If you believe in supporting indie podcasters, go support our Patreon. You can follow us on Instagram at ImmigrantlyPod and Twitter at Immigrantly underscore pod. Until next time, when we have another amazing guest, take care. ...of diversity that's very pure and honest and it speaks more to like communities Um, hmm. you know, that gave me a perspective of how broad the world is. And I got to meet many different types of people and my friends and their parents certainly, um, represented a, a large swath of humanity. Um, so hmm. going to Maine to a pretty nice college in Maine, 
you know, I, I met wealthy people for the first time and not just rich people, but like people who had generational money as well. Right. As I was in a place in Maine where, you know, like the, it's not a, it's not a racially diverse place. You know, it's a very white place. And I don't think I completely understood what that would feel like. Uh, and that's where maybe I had my blinders on is because I, I grew up in this space, which I had a sense was not all America because of the media I was taking in. But at the same mm. time, I don't think I understood that in certain situations, I would not only be the only Indian person there, but I would be the only person of color there. And that was a new, a new experience. So that was really the shock for me. On the other hand, uh, diversity was not part of my consciousness because I grew up in Pakistan, right? So I was part of the dominant population. And that's why sometimes I can, in a very twisted way, understand um, why white Americans are so fucked up in some ways. Because when you are part of the dominant population, you tend to act a certain way. Sure. But it's when I came to the U.S., that's when I realized that there are so many different layers of my identity because all of a sudden I became part of the minority. Yes. And that was such a different experience for me. Almost surreal, right? But Hari, moving to your work. Now, I have listened to a few of your podcast interviews and you talk about how you share your lived experiences with the audience, right? You don't focus primarily on politics which is a great way to introduce audience to who you are. But at the same time, I feel like our identities are so politicized in the U.S. How do we separate one from the other? It, it is a really tricky line, and I appreciate the question. I mean, I think part of it is to share the, 